0: Christianity began, as we talked about this morning, as a Jewish messianic movement in Jerusalem. But its message was not just intended for the Jews, it was intended for everyone. And so that message quickly grew beyond just the Jewish community to the Gentile community also. And so by the time Paul writes this letter, there's probably just as many or more non-Jewish Christians as there are Jewish Christians. That's creating an issue. The reason why it's creating an issue is this. Historically speaking, God's covenant people had really been uh, focused in one ethnic group that was the Jews and they were identified in a certain way they were set about or or they were set apart by the practices that were outlined in the Torah when we talk about the Torah we're not talking about just the law of Moses we're talking about those first five books of the Old Testament and so they had things like circumcision for their males They had a certain diet that they would adhere to. They had religious observances. They kept the Sabbath. They had certain feast days. They had animal sacrifices. They had the priesthood. That's how they were identified. And so therefore, many Jewish Christians thought the non-Jewish Christians should then follow after the Torah also. If you really want to be a part of God's family, then you need to obey not just Jesus Christ, but also the laws of the Torah. And so some of these teachers came down to Galatians and they're teaching non-Jewish Christians to be circumcised and to obey the laws of the Torah. So here's the point. What Paul taught you is not enough to be a part of God's family. And it's not enough for you to be able to live as a member of God's family. So this letter is Paul's response to that. Short answer... Galatians 2 and verse 20. This is what Paul is saying. He was a Jew. He had lived under the law. And so here's his response to them. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. That's what Paul's saying. That old way of life, that old way of identifying, that needs to be left behind. I've been crucified with Christ. I've put that to death. So essentially what Paul is saying, <laughs> it's time to pivot. This is the turning point. It is decision time. It's either that or it's this. It's not this and a little bit of that. It's time to turn. And you put that old way of life behind you. I died. My old life. I was crucified with Christ. And now it's Christ living in me. Galatians 2 and verse 20. And then we're going to take a look at Romans 6 and verses 3 through 7. So if you have a New Testament, I encourage you to turn there with me. It has been said that the Bible is its own best commentary. And that's true. (laughs) The Bible is its own best commentary. So I'm going to read this to you again. Go slowly through it. And then I'm going to turn to Romans. Romans or Galatians 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Turn to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. And verses 3 through 7. Jack read this, but I I want to read this again. Romans 6, 3 through 7 is a commentary on Galatians 2 and verse 20. And in Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. Romans 6 at verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into His death? Notice, as we read down through this section, how many times Paul makes reference to death or being put to death. Do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into His death? Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, So that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. That's the commentary on Galatians 2 and verse 20. Let me run this by you. You know, sometimes it seems like folks talk about baptism and they wrestle with that. And they kind of have trouble grasping that. And should I or shouldn't I or why is it? And what? Listen to what Paul says. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized into His death? Let me tell you how that works. See, Jesus Christ came into this world And Paul is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and what He has done for us. And so I come to understand who He is. I come to understand why He came. I come to understand what He has done for me. And I come to understand that I should follow after Him. But in learning all of that, there comes a point in time where I have to make a decision. I'm going to leave that life behind and I'm now going to follow after Jesus Christ. That old life is put to death and now I'm going to walk in a new life. That's baptism. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been baptized Into his death. There is that point in time that I can identify. But before this I was not following after Jesus Christ. I was not a Christian. But now I came here. I made a decision. That old man was buried with him. And now I rise to walk in newness of life. Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with Him in the likeness of His death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is free from sin. Can we see that? You come here. The old man is buried with him, and then you rise to walk in newness of life. And Paul saying, Galatians two and verse twenty. I was crucified with Christ, and it's no longer me, but Christ living in me. So as Paul writes he wants these churches he wants these people to see that the way to be justified to be made right with God is to be crucified with Christ and to believe who he is and what he has done with you, for you. And then you're going to do away with that old life. See, the Jews were familiar with the things of the law in that old life. And they were familiar with things of a physical nature. For 1500 years, they had been God's people, they had been God's nation. This was an ethnic group with a land that had borders. Some place that they could point to on the map. We are God's people. We are God's nation. And this is what identifies us. And this is the things that we practice. This makes us God's family. And now you're telling me to put that away. And Paul's saying yes. <laughs> because you could never be justified before God that way. It had its purpose. But now that Christ has come... It's time to put that away. See, they had come to Sinai. They had entered into a covenant relationship with him. They had the Ten Commandments. They had a tabernacle. Later on, they had the temple. They had a priesthood. They had sacrifices. They had things that they could see and touch and identify with. 1,500 years worth. And now Paul's telling them, let it go. Let it go. Because God wants you to make the spiritual application. Turn back to the book of Galatians. This time, Galatians chapter 3. And I want to read verse 22 through 25. Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 22. So Paul's going to explain to them. The scripture has shut up everyone under sin. See, through the law you come to understand that. So that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. What Paul's saying is the law did a couple things for you. First of all, it helped you to identify sin. And by looking at the law, you should have realized that you could never be justified with God that way because you couldn't keep the law perfectly. But there was something else that the law did for you. It did show you how to live. And it gave you a standard of righteousness. But that was to last till Jesus Christ came. And then once He came... You're no longer under that tune. And he wanted them to understand that. So God, through Jesus Christ, is going to give you a new life and a new way to identify. And for these Jews, that was kind of scary. This is new. This is different. Now let me ask you, when you talk about Christianity, and when you talk about following after Jesus Christ, and you talk about living in that fashion, did you ever think, or have you ever talked with somebody, and you're asking me to leave this old way of life behind, something that I'm very familiar with? May not be that great, but it's mine. <laughs> I can identify with it. And now you want me to leave all that behind and you want me to follow after that. That's new. That's different. That's scary. For a lot of folks, that's scary. Because that's unknown. See, leaving that old life behind, it kind of feels like dying. Something dies but what Paul is trying to get him to see dying is good for you leaving that old life behind this is actually good for you and the new life that is offered in Jesus Christ it's better it's way better than anything that you've ever had before anything that you've ever experienced before And what I'm trying to show you is the way to be justified with God, the way to be made right, was not through the law because you could never keep it perfectly, but the way to be justified and to be right with God is through following after Jesus Christ and faith in Him for what He has done for you. Through the old law, you gained an identity, but you never kept that law perfectly. So what you're being offered is a new life and a way to be justified by faith. But in order to enjoy this new life, you need to die. You need to leave that old life behind. It has to be put away. You need to bury it. And that's what he's saying in Romans 6. If you've been buried with Christ, did you put that old life away? So Jesus invites us. Come die with me. Turn to Matthew, the 16th chapter now. Matthew 16, this is a little bit of a lengthy reading, but we need to do it. Matthew 16, beginning at verse 13. I'm going to read down through verse 25. We get the right book. John won't work. You'll recall Matthew 16. We've looked at it numerous times before. Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus is going to ask them, Who do men say that I am? And then he's going to ask, Who do you say that I am? Matthew 16 in beginning of verse 13. When now Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but on man's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it." Jesus says, Who do you say that I am? Peter says, You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. And then following that, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to suffer many things and he's going to be put to death and he'll rise again on the third day. And what's Peter's response to all that? Never, Lord. Never. What's Peter saying? What's Peter doing? You know what Peter's doing? He's expressing his devotion to Jesus Christ. Lord, this should never happen to you. And so Peter's really telling him what he thinks. <laughs> Wait a minute, Lord. Come here. I know you said this is what you're going to do. This is what you got in plan, but let, let me help you out here. That's not the way this should go. You see what Peter's doing? I like being with you, Lord. I've liked living with you. I've liked traveling with you. I've liked listening to you. I've learned a lot from you. But it's time for me to take control of this relationship, Lord. You need to listen to me now. I need to be in control. And so when Jesus responds in verse 23 what he does is he redefines discipleship. Matthew 16 and verse 23 But he turned and said to Peter Get behind me Satan you are a stumbling block to me for you are not setting your mind on God's interest but on man's. What Jesus is telling. You're not really thinking the way God thinks. You know what you're doing Peter? Peter? You're thinking the way men think. You're telling me what you think. And see, Peter, there's a way that you think about life and there's a way that I see life. Peter, there's a way that you see you, but there's a way that I see you. And what you need, Peter, is you need to come to understand my point of view Peter you need to pivot you need to turn so in verse 24 and verse 25 it said. then Jesus said to his disciples if anyone wishes to come after he must, he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Kind of scary words, isn't it? Give up your life, Peter. Give up the way you see yourself. Give up the way you see life. Give up the way you think things ought to go. And follow after me. Take up your cross. Follow after me. See, a lot of times it goes down like this. People like to hear things like when Jesus says, come dine with me, come eat with me. Okay, I like that part. Or sometimes, come follow me and we think, okay, I need a companion. (laughs) Jesus makes a good companion. Me and you, Jesus, we're friends. And that's the way it should go. Come enjoy life and joy. And I like that. I want joy. I like that. But then he says Deny yourself, take up your cross. Wait a minute. Deny myself, take up a cross. That sounds kind of like suffering. That sounds kind of like dying. Not so sure about that one. And so Peter says, Never, Lord. Never. And that's kind of a natural response. See, from our earliest days, from the time that we are born, we are taught to preserve life. But we also come to an American view of about how to preserve life. So it's not that we're just trying to preserve physical life. We're trying to preserve a particular kind of life. And so we define me, we define life according to our terms, And that's what we want to preserve. See, oftentimes the way in which we define life is like this. We define it with titles and trophies and pleasures and privileges and houses and cars and bank accounts and things, even the shape of our body. Don't we? If you have enough things, if you have the right house, if you have the right car, if you have the right bank account, if you are in the right shape, (laughs) then that's the good life. You want to live the good life, don't you? And so we define it that way. And that's our life. It's titles, it's trophies, it's things, it's physical. And that's the way we define, that's the way we qualify. That's the way we see life, that's the way we see ourselves. that's the way we see the world, that's the way we see others. That's the way we see God. So here's life, and then I want to enhance it. And the way in which I enhance life is by adding these things to it. And then when I come to God, God, you know what I want you to do? I want you to help me enhance my life according to my terms. And now you're saying deny myself and take up my cross? And you know what Jesus is saying when Peter says that, "Never, Lord?" Essentially what Jesus is saying <laughs> somebody needs to die. And it's not just me, Peter. You do too. if any man would come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross because if a man wants to save his life he'll lose it but if he loses his life for my sake he'll find it he'll save it Peter, you know what you need? you need to be born again See, that's that point that Paul's talking about in Romans 6 that we come to and we finally realize that old life, that old man needs to be put to death needs to be buried and we rise to walk in newness of life a new creature in Matthew 16 and verse 21 From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and to be killed. And then in verse 24-25 if any man would come after me then he must take up his cross. And so what Jesus is saying is what I'm offering is this. I'm offering a new life. Then in order to have that new life you need to die. So Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Because you don't set your mind on the things of God, but on the things of men. That's the way you see life, Peter. And you know what you need to understand, Peter? That view that you have, it's way too superficial. The way you see yourself is too small. The way you see life, and the way you see the world, and the way you see others, and the way you see God, it's way too small. See, Peter, it's like this. You're standing on the shores of life. And the depths of life are laying out front of you in the oceans of life, and you are barely getting your toes wet. You have not seen the depths. You don't know the depths. But you can experience something much deeper. But you got to die, Peter. And then follow me. I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer and I'm going to sacrifice and I'm going to die. And you know what, Peter? It's not for me. It's for someone else. It's for you. I'm going to do what God the Father asked me to do to benefit you. And when I do, you know what the Father will do? (laughs) He will glorify me. See, that's the part I think sometimes we have trouble grasping. And the reason why I think we have trouble grasping it is because when we think about grace, we somehow think that grace is linear. Grace is circular. See, we think there's God and there's Jesus Christ and He sent Him to die for me. True. (laughs) But it doesn't stop there. And so when we view grace, oftentimes we just kind of see it as linear. It went from God through Jesus Christ to me. And Jesus said, no. (laughs) You've got to complete the circle. See, God... Showed you grace so that you can show somebody else grace. Because you realize what's been done for you and you see yourself different, now you can see others different. And just like you needed grace, they need grace. And when you extend that grace, you complete the circle. And God gets the glory. Can you see that? It came from Him. So it's in us. And it's through us. So Peter, God wants you to examine your life. And He wants you to look at it through His eyes, not the world's. And this is something else, Peter. He wants you to look at what brings you pleasure in life. Peter, is it doing the will of God or is it chasing after those things that you think enhance your life? Is it titles, is it trophies, is it pleasures, is it money? And see Peter, As you're traveling through life, that's the baggage you're carrying because you don't see it right. And there's something else I want you to think about, Peter. What scares you in life? What causes you to have anxiety? What causes you fear, and what causes you pain, and what causes you anger? Peter, I want you to think about that. I want you to think about how long you've been carrying it. And then I want you to put it down. And I want you to pick up your cross. And that may sound a little scary at first. And the first response might be, Never, Lord. Never. Never. But what Jesus is saying is, if you'll do it, if you'll deny yourself, if you'll see the bigger picture, think beyond yourself, think about the one who loves you and has died for you, and take up your cross. Peter, it's better if you die, and it'll be better than anything you've ever had before. See in Matthew 11th chapter in verse 28 through 30. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. See, we think, putting that old life behind and picking up the cross and following after Jesus Christ. That sounds heavy. <laughs> that may be difficult to do. And what Jesus is saying is if you do that, you'll come to see this is easier than what you've been carrying. And something else you need to understand? He says, take my yoke upon you. Do you know how many fit into a yoke? <laughs> Not one. Two. Two so Jesus is saying take my yoke and the things you have to carry Peter we'll carry them together because that burden that you've been carrying it's way too heavy by yourself So Jesus said, whoever wishes to save his life will have to lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, bury it, put it behind. There was an old preacher that used to say it this way. He said, Christ died to save us not from suffering, but from ourselves. He died that we might live as He lives, by dying as He died. Died to Himself that He might live unto God. If we do not die to ourselves, we cannot live to God. And the one that does not live to God is dead. That's what He's trying to get us to see. So Jesus is saying, come live with me. Let's turn to the book of John, and we'll we'll wrap up with this. Gospel of John, 12th chapter. I want to read verse 23 through 26. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be there also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. This is the way we need to understand it. The life that Jesus offers, it doesn't come by wearing a cross, it comes by bearing a cross. That's what he wants us to see. In John the 10th chapter, Jesus says, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. That's what he's asking us to do. He doesn't want to snatch it from you. He wants you to give it to him. In John 12, verse 24, he says, If a seed falls into the earth and dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. But he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to eternal life. In order to bear fruit for God, you first have to die. The old man has to die. It has to be put to death. It has to be buried. And then you can bear fruit for God. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Matthew 16 and verse 24, Jesus said, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, in the book of Galatians, there were some that were still unwilling. The turn, put away that old life, that old identity, and embrace Christ and follow half to Him. The law had, had its place, but now the Messiah had come, the faith had come, and so He said, "You got to put that away." That's that old man, and that's the crux of the issue in Galatians. And that's the crux of the issue today. to put the old man away to bury him in baptism, and then live for Jesus Christ. Die to the world, die to yourself, lose your life so your life can be saved in Jesus Christ. That's the lesson. Leave that old life behind. And come follow after Christ. And then you can live eternally with Him. But this is what it takes. Believe in Jesus Christ. Who He is and that He's the Son of God and what He has done for you. And then be willing to confess Him as Lord of Lord and King of Kings. You believe, you confess who He is and what He has done. And to turn from that old life. And that self. And the way you viewed life previously. Buried with him in baptism. That old man is put to death. Rise to walk in newness of life. And then let him live. In you. And through you. Follow him. Follow him to the cross. Follow him into life follow him into the king that's the crux of the matter I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here if you've never rendered obedience unto the gospel of Jesus Christ I just ask you do you believe that he is the son of God do you believe that he died for your sins were you willing to confess him and to be buried with him in baptism the old man is put away Rise to walk in the newness of life. You're a child of God and you've not been faithfully as you should. You've turned away and you need to come back and make it right. We want to help you in making that right with Him this morning. The invitation is yours while together we stand and while we sing.